Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Sarkis. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Oh, welcome in. Welcome yes. in. Welcome to WNBA Nation. The, the season is just around the corner. We are back from our little mini break between the college season and the regular WNBA season. And by we, I mean uh, me, your host, Logan Jones, and our host, Steve Schwartzman. Steve, what's going on? Hey, uh, yeah, I guess our, you, I guess you could call it spring break. I don't know. We kind of decided to just let April breathe a minute. It's, it's and the, now we're back. The, so the four WNBA hosts, uh, nation hosts, they all have real jobs outside of the podcast. And April is the annual. We all have to like put in a lot of office hours and make sure we keep our real jobs. So that for the summer we could do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because so, March is a lot and the summer is a lot. And it's welcome, just a lot. We, we missed you guys. I hope that I hope that you guys missed us. Um, it's nice to be back on. We have a ton of stuff that we can cover today. Obviously, we will not get to all of it, but we've got future episodes before the season starts where we will hopefully touch on more. Uh, before we get into any of that, we have all of the show plugs that we want to get out of the way for you. And because I have the honor of hosting today, uh, I also have the honor of delegating all of those to Steve. So Steve, could you tell people where to find us? Yes. Head to WMBNation.com first and foremost. That's going to connect you to just about all the things that we have to offer. Of course, you can find us over uh, on Twitter while it still exists. <laughs> um, but we're over there at Nation Pod. Uh, similar over on Facebook, you can, of course, uh, check us out anywhere that your podcast can be found. If you listen anywhere that can give a rating system, we'd love a five-star review if possible. And a comment. Let us know what you like about the show, what we can do to make the show even better for you. The website will also connect you to our episode lineup. We've got a blog where we kick off uh, some pieces here and there. Kyle was was working hard on his his draft come up and performed fairly well. I'll say always um, does did a decent job into the, the, the draft draft order. Most yeah. Years. When it came to that. So I was really happy for that. Um, it, it's been a minute since we've, we've done the live stream on Twitch, but we are connected to that. We are hoping to try and kick that up a little bit. That said this season, uh, we're looking to do a lot more stuff over on playback. If you want to come have a watch party with us, playback allows you to do uh, essentially a live watch party together. Uh, come talk with us while we watch the games. It's a good time over there. Connect over to our store. Get some sick merch. Uh, we're looking to put together some additional designs through the rest of the season. Uh, we'd love to see pictures of anything that you guys are kicking off there. And just overall, uh, stay connected with us. Um, and oh yeah, TikTok. Join us on TikTok because you may hear snippets from the show and other general insights. We're hoping to ramp that up as well. We've got a lot of stuff planned for the summer. It's kind of a part of why we let April rest a little bit so that we could go full bore here. But there you have it. So yeah, WBNation.com. Thank you, Steve, for all the show plugs. We, of course, also welcome all of your five-star reviews on any podcast platform that offers that sort of thing. Helps us get out there and get discovered. In fact, we like them so much that we read them on the air. And we have a new one for you that's been waiting Hooray! a long time. Uh, and so, uh, and so we're going to do that now at the top of the show to make sure that they get their props. Um, and it's, it's actually one of my favorite reviews we've had in a while. 
because uh, it's it's from a user I love the W, and the title is Pleasant Surprise. Yeah, so, <laughs> we we love that. We love a review called Pleasant Surprise. That's... They came in with expectations that were low, and they left. At, all right, I'll read it for you. Uh, I have to admit, I was skeptical of listening to men talk about women's basketball, but it was one of the few podcasts on the W that seemed interesting, so I gave it a shot, and I love it. When they talk about other leagues, they include women's sports, which is what I was looking for, a podcast that highlights and uplifts non-male athletes. Their knowledge, insight, and love for the W is truly appreciated. Thank you very much, I love the W. I really, really that like really that. really nice of That's you. awesome. That is, a, that is an excellent review. Please... If you haven't yet reviewed our show, please send in a five-star review. Uh, we, we'd love to read more of those on the show. Uh, if we get so many that we just have to fill an entire episode of doing that and patting ourselves on the back, we will we'll absolutely do that. Boom. Uh, without further delay, let's launch into current news uh, around the league. There is a lot going on. The, the league officially so kicks much. off in, I believe, nine days as of the time of this recording. There's a lot of headlines bouncing around. There's a lot of hubbub. There's a lot of buzz uh, just going going around WNBA Twitter and preseason games, practices, rosters, and things of that nature. Uh, but we want to take kind of a – we'll take the 30,000-foot view approach here first before we dive into maybe specific teams that we want to talk about. I know in the pre-record we were talking a little bit about what the vibe coming into this season felt like uh, and sort of the business side of the sport and whether or not we thought uh, WNBA Commissioner – uh, Kathy Engelbert was doing a good job. Uh, and I think that's a fair question to kind of open up to the floor on Mike. Uh, and so, Steve, I, I hope I hope you can kick off this discussion. I, I know you've got some thoughts. What do you think of the job that Kathy has done in her tenure as the commissioner? And how do you think it's impacted how we feel going into the 2023 season? This has been an interesting case because um, I would say the needle for me leans to the right. It's It's generally positive. Um, especially when you look at what she as commissioner has been faced with since this kicked off, we have to remember that she joined the league as commissioner and then very quickly, not right away, but very quickly got embroiled with a pandemic that heavily affected two full seasons. And um, in fact, I'd say we're even still kind of feeling the adverse effects of, of what that is today. But um I think there are things that concern me and the, and what's frustrating is a lot of the more concerning, frustrating, or you might even say poor decisions that have been made with her at the helm, whether or not they've been directly her decision, but with her at the helm have been the fan serving style decisions, stuff like the website and the app aren't really well constructed to be user friendly. Like the UX uh, theology, you know, was, isn't very strong. Um, there's questions about, you know, league pass and the accessibility when it comes to games, we still don't have a lot of heavy, like confidence in whether or not they care about the all-star game is the commissioner's cup, uh, as bowied up as it should be. Are we handling coverage? Well, obviously expansion is going to be another big one, but I have an additional point to make about that in a second. And and I think that's kind of the what's been of heavy interest at this point. Um, I will say, overall, what's been the general frustration uh, for me is that the WNBA has been handed many, many things to bite into, 
a lot of podiums they can launch themselves off of. And it doesn't seem like they've put in the effort and awareness to capitalize on those things. Case yeah, in point, that's a good way of putting it. we're coming off of an NCAA season that has expanded the growth, at least of social discussion of women's basketball more than nearly any other season of the sport has in a very long time. It, it was an absolute boon for the sport. And you, I, I'm not convinced the WNBA has done enough to bounce off of that. Like you could go into a lot of the deep conversations, but on top of the fact that like they didn't run commercials during the, the mark during the NCAA tournament, like that should have absolutely been the WNBA's name should have been ubiquitous anywhere. You should have seen them as much as you saw Coke zero during the tournament. And uh, I did. Yeah. Like remember, you know, sorry to interject, but remember when the, the NBA was doing its bubble playoffs at the same time as the WNBA season. And because of running concurrently, you had a lot of NBA support, I think visibly for the WNBA people were wearing WNBA jerseys and stuff like that. And the amount of interest that the league garnered just from that was so noticeable that you would think Every other time basketball is in the spotlight, WNBA would be there to put your product in front of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's my, I, not to echo everything you just said, because our, our podcast listeners just now heard it, but my, my takeaway was very similar. And that's, uh, I, I think the league is in a pretty good spot right now, but they have an incredible product and, and the, I think the groundswell of support that the product deserves is not as big as it should be. And that's a yeah. marketing failure. And as you said, kind of a, a fan focus. I think Kathy's done a fantastic job at kind of securing the foundation of the league in terms of things that affect owners and players. But one quadrant of, of the formula is the consumer. And that's in, in, the, in the case of entertainment and sports, that's the fans and yeah. fans, you know, New Jersey's, a couple years ago, you know, instead of templated jerseys, I think that was a great move. They've done some things uh, to to enhance kind of the excitement throughout the season. But you've, as you said, uh, you know, app and the the league pass and the All Star Weekend and just all of the logistical things that affect fans trying to follow and be into the league. Yeah, there's still too much of a barrier to entry for someone who wants to get into the league. Like they. Frankly, like the reason we created the podcast was to solve this problem. Like <laughs> we were trying to get into the league and we were like, where do we go to get the down low on every one of these teams? And, you know, what should I know about the narratives going into the season? There was nowhere to go. Um, since beginning this podcast, we've, we've kind of come to recognize a lot of our, our fellow podcast websites and content creators mm -hmm. as being a huge part of kind of the, the WNBA environment. We love the Windsider guys. Um, the, the high hoops uh, post and, and I'm spacing on all the other ones, but like we, we yeah. promote them all the time because I think they're kind of an essential companion to being a fan of this league. And Absolutely. I sort of want the commissioner of the league to make it possible. And I can't believe I'm about to say this for there to be more casual WNBA fans. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there's, there's way too many casual NBA fans to the point where it's bothering me. But the, the W could use some passive, like, oh, it's on at the Buffalo Wild Wings, then I'm tuning in because I know who Brianna Stewart is. And I know the Liberty are a big deal this year. Yeah. And I don't know why I know that. I just do. We need more of those types of fans. And the thing about it is uh, the the college season did that. The college season, it like, 
you, fans, there, there are a lot of people who watched and a lot of people, 10 million people watched the championship game and people need to sink in. That's not a small number. Um, compared to a lot of other main sports organizations in the United States who were televised, it's a huge number. And you know a lot of those are going to be passive watchers. You know a good amount of those, not, you know, a majority amount, but a good amount of those are going to be casual fans. But here's the thing. A lot of people who aren't leaned in heavily to the NCAA, they know who Caitlin Clark is. They know who Angel Reese is. They know who Haley Van Lith is. They know who Don State, like they, there are so many names coming out of the woodwork there. One thing that has helped create narratives to allow the, the MNBA to be such a strong boon in the American digital zeitgeist is like the onset of the super team, right? That's been since 2010, I would say since the, the Miami heat situation in, in 2010, 2011, that has been, the kicking point for, for the, it took them kind of to that next level of popularity where the interest became so much more than the game within itself. What happens on the court? You and I have talked endlessly about with MNBA fans, free agency is almost their playoffs. They care more about that than they do the oh, sport in itself. We finally have that dichotomy in the league, that parody that we have two teams who, when you look at the roster inside it out, look like juggernauts and there's a lot of narratives there and that things that tie to a lot of narratives across the league. And I don't know, it should just feel a bit more monumentous and maybe some of it's how that's scheduled. Maybe some of it is just, <clears throat> that's a part of waiting for a season to kick off or maybe I haven't just been paying attention to people talking about things, but I think there should be a higher kickoff. And you've made a really good point about like groundswell the WNBA in the last several years has seen steady growth and steady growth is good growth. It's steady growth is healthy growth. That's important, but we should see more peaks in that graph at this point. And, and it's, it's some of the, some of the minute decisions that have been made have made it. So you can't quite get those things over the hump. And sometimes you have to make those yeah. decisions, and that's, and that's what's been That's not to say we're I, – I know all of us at the podcast, all of the people in our sphere on, on socials, are, we're all pumped for the season to start. But I think mm-hmm. we all see the difference between like, – like college women's basketball has a fantastic product. They know how to capitalize on that product in March because they know how to create a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Does the WNBA know how to create spectacle right now? I'm not totally convinced they do. I, yeah. I think with a with a Vegas team that added Candace Parker and New York being the hottest story going into the season in terms of their roster construction and picking up Bree Stewart, I mean, the, every other sports league salivates over having a, a big good team in New York, mm. and the WNBA has one, and it and it kind of just feels like it has every other, again like we've been doing this for what six seasons now. Yeah. It feels like pretty much every other season. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it should feel like this one is able to capitalize on the spectacle or at least promise spectacle in the coming year. And I don't feel like that promise is being made by the league just yet. To be clear, having watched the postseason in the WNBA over the last couple of years, there will be spectacular moments in the coming year. Mm-hmm. I I just want the league's marketing and and like efforts leading up to the season to to give me more a sense that there will be. 
instead of just knowing that there will be because I've watched it. Yeah, again, the I think the lack of any lack of pandemonium that's coming into this has nothing to do with the product itself. I think the product's still exciting. I think there's still a lot of positive energy coming into the season. I think it's just in that situation that we're starting to understand that the product is so has so much more potential for growth than maybe the league offices themselves do not realize. It's almost in that case of like, are you still playing the small potatoes game? Cause you could be playing like a higher, you could, you could be way star Royco-ing this thing if you really want to be. And there's yeah. a higher shot there. Now, um, the one point I did want to make on this before we call it out, cause it's, it's, I think it's a solid comparison. The NWSL kicked off in 2012. They're in their coming to their 11th, 12th season as a league. They just announced that they, uh, so that they, when I started paying attention to the NWSL, uh, at any level was four years, four years ago in 2019. At that point, the league had nine teams. The league just announced that in 2026, they'll be adding two more additional teams on top of expansion teams. They already have coming in place for next season, which I believe are in Sacramento and Salt Lake city. <clears throat> but you, so you're looking at a team that 15, less than 15 years into the league will, will be at 16 teams. They have four teams already in the works, not at once. They're gradually, they're kind of doing this two year groundswell. And these have been very healthy expansions. You're talking about Angel City and San Diego Wave. San Diego Wave made a strong, like deep playoff run and are regularly selling out venues. Angel City sold out all of their ticket packages and they're owned by everyone in SAG right now. Um, you th So very, very healthy kickoffs. There's already very positive energy here in Utah about Royal, the Royals coming back. And they're looking at cities that are bringing heavy energy into this league. There's a high level of interest for people uh, to get involved with the NWSL and NWSL teams are expanding in a way that tells you that these teams are mainstays. Uh, with you know, with high potential for success, what does the the NWSL understand that the WNBA currently does not? Because I understand the trepidation to go big on expansion, because the the WNBA very quickly expanded from eight to sixteen teams, and that quick and um kind of scrappily planned choice. We're still feeling some effect of that. A lot of teams folded. A lot of teams had to move. A lot of teams had to move multiple times. There were a lot of frustrations across that dichotomy. But we're in a situation where we can find places to expand and places that want to expand and want to do it in a healthy and a high-quality way because we're watching them do it with another women's league to to high level. You're, you're seeing an element where the NWSL is going to start capitalizing on this growth and may overtake the WNBA in terms of <clears throat> momentum um, on this this side of sports. And I don't know if this is a question. I don't know if this is just a thought that I wanted to open up discussion to. But that's been my big question. Like, what does the NWSL understand that the WNBA doesn't? Because I keep I keep seeing the like SpongeBob Patrick meme, uh, <laughs> like of Squidward watching them running outside. Like I keep seeing like getting this feeling of like, what is it? 
that like they have this hunger for um <clears throat> like they have this hunger for expansion and after four or five years we're still hearing Kathy Engelbert say like wait well let's slow it down and, and let's like hear things out and see things out. At some point we actually have to feel confident that we're gonna be growing. So I don't know if there's any yeah. openness to that. I just maybe I just had to rant about it. I don't know. Uh I've felt very much on the side of I'm okay with Kathy's patience in relation to expansion for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's starting to, it's starting to wear me out. Yeah. It's itching a bit. <laughs> like, That's the it's, point. It's, I, I think it's for, for a long, long time. It's just like, let's be smart. Let's get the CBA in place. Let's make sure that there is an overabundance of talent coming in from a college game before you spread the talent too thin in the WNBA. I think that's what needs to happen. In fact, this is a very timely time to be having this discussion, Steve, because you know this is the week where people are going to get cut from rosters in the coming in the coming days. This is going to release about a week before the season starts. You're going to start seeing roster cuts that aren't going to make a lot of sense, even though for the teams it's usually about money. Um, and you're going to say, "Oh, we need another team, or we need another two teams, or we need another four teams." Like that. If you're on Twitter at all, that is going to happen in in the days following the drop of this episode, yeah. and. My answer to that for so many years has been like, yes, there's a lot of talent out there and not a lot of roster spots. It's okay for now. Like you, you don't want to expand too fast or you don't, you know, you don't want to expand into new cities and then have a team like Indiana fold and feel like the league is going in the wrong direction. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm going to, I'm going to expand this even beyond the NWSL and into just kind of the big American sports. Hockey's added two teams in the last six or seven years. They've both had immediate success in their markets, and it doesn't look like they're going anywhere. Basketball and they want to add going, more. Yeah, basketball yeah. is going to add the NBA to Seattle and at least one other city in the next two years. Uh, baseball, they're moving the A's to Vegas. Uh, they're going to add at least another team or two in the next couple of years. We've, uh, we've gotten to the point almost where by not expanding, it kind of telegraphs to people not necessarily even following women's basketball, that the league is falling behind in its momentum compared to the growth of other sports. Um, I don't necessarily think it's critical that the WNBA gets there first. I don't think they have to be the first league to expand to a new city and then have others, other sports follow. But look at what the Golden Knights and the Aces have done to Vegas as a sports city. I mean, the, the, the Aces are a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Raiders are there now. They're going to get the A's. It's going to be, I mean, at some point, they're going to get the NBA. The Aces got to be a part of kind of putting a footprint into, like, if you're out on the strip tonight and you need something to do, one of your options is to go catch a game. That just wasn't that way for Steve. How long did we grow up hearing that there would never be sports in Vegas? Because there just like wouldn't the, be. Like the 51s um, was basically it. Right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if it's critical that they be first necessarily, but like, Look at the sort of following that you have in places like Seattle that has just been begging for an NBA team since 2008. Like they, I, I think that's part of the Storm's fan success. Mm-hmm. And I think if you could get into markets and introduce yourself to to people who are ready for sports yeah. before other major sports get there, I think that means a lot. So, you know, for a long time, it's it's felt like oh, like 2024, 2025. That's about where we're looking for expansion. Well, if that was the case, we'd be announcing it today. Yeah. Like they're, they, they need time to figure out. I mean, there's, there's expansion drafts and they got to line up a stadium or build a stadium and they got to figure out which way traffic is going to flow and all sorts of other crap. Yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah. and at this point, it's like if they don't announce it now, we're looking at you know twenty twenty six is a long way off. Think of think of all the college players that are going to be a year or two into their careers by the time we get a new yeah. WNBA team. Like <laughs> that's and that's the thing that's asking a lot of them. We talk yeah, and that's the thing is we talk enough about um the. You know, people have made that claim the WNBA is the most difficult league to build a long-standing career out of simply because there's such a finite amount of spots that we're literally releasing rookies of the year right after they win the rookie of the year award. Yeah. You know, like Which it's, just, it's just, yeah, should not happen. <laughs> it's becoming a big issue. And the scenario with that is that's on top of. We're about to enter into possibly two of the most monumentous draft classes we've seen in a long time, at least over a decade, where you're going to see this influx of of, of very well-known, recognizable, and, and high-level talent coming into the league, kind of the forefront of the new faces of the league. Like, this is that next gen. You know, these, this is... Like the Gen Z era of the WNBA is going to be kicking off in a very big way with these next couple of draft classes. <clears throat> and a lot of them don't have a guaranteed spot, right? Right now, it's weird to say that like Haley Van Lith may not have a guaranteed spot in the league. Right now, as it stands, that Which may not insane. be guaranteed. Flo Which, J. Johnson because, may not have. I don't want to. Yeah, Flaggy Johnson may I, I don't have want to sidetrack this too much, but, but part of why that's insane is because those are players that could be making a lot of money in college. Yeah. Like there, there's and not a lot of incentive a lot of to make college. There's not a lot of incentive to make the leap to the pros if you might not be in a team two years from now and you're making twice the salary you'd be in pros at college. So like why even they, we've they got have decently to known out. we've got decently known names that are going to be wrestlers and not trying that, to yeah, end Part part of the problem really is when it comes down to it is they they need to be able to expand the league, but they also need to be able to pay players more. And by expanding the league, that's just that's more that's more employees on the payroll. It's and more they need to be able to pay players enough to keep them here in the off season, which is a big problem. And they need to be able to entice college players to come up. And that's the thing. Like I I understand it's difficult because if you may have a chance at getting a league, a team in the league, but not every you're not gonna. You're only gonna find so many like of the Josiah Mark Davis types who will fit that money, <laughs> because I, Josiah and Mark Davis have both said it themselves. If they could just reach into their pockets and get these players more money, they would do it. And that's like, it's to the point where mm. like they're almost willing. That's a to take every level of fine and issue that they possibly can just to be like, they deserve literally with the NIL stuff kicking off, there's more restrictions on getting professional players, the money they deserve than college players, the money they deserve. The <laughs> spectrum has flipped and it, it's just uh, like, that's frustrating in certain points, but it doesn't excuse the fact that like, when I look at it this way, as I kicked off, the NWSL is going to be in its 15th season in 2026, having amassed 16 teams. The WNBA hasn't added a team in 15 years. It's the exact amount of time, 2008, since we've seen expansion. Yes, there have been a lot of location changes. You know, we had from Tulsa to Dallas. We had from 
San Antonio to Vegas. We've seen some of those changes take place, but it's been a really like that. We've gone this long to hold off on it. If you haven't added a new team, we need the assurance. This is something that's really being leaned in heavily on and just doesn't feel like that. Feels like it's one of those situations that gets kind of pushed under the rug because we almost don't want to get it's kind of like it's kind of like when I, you know, my spouse and I are talking about like, hey, we might go to the park, but don't tell the kids yet. We don't know if we're going to do it for sure. And I don't want them to get super excited and think we're going to the park if like it might rain and we might not go. Like, that's how it feels. It doesn't feel like they're generating excitement about the idea of expansion. And I understand that there is some work going on, but we need like a really strong assurance, like, no, please know this is happening because you're about to put the next gen of your superstars in a really bad situation. And if there's a way you want to capitalize on can't, you know, Caitlin Clark mania, Ranger Reese mania or Paige Becker's mania, give them a team, give them a new team, let them be the face of an organization. Like if you actually have a chance to, to make some interest there and this Kind of dives into my next point. I don't know if you had any other thoughts about the kickoff of the season. Just, so I don't want to cut just, it off. Just one, and it's it's because you mentioned Josiah and Mark Davis by name earlier. And I'll try to keep this very, very short because this is a rant for another day. Um, I think if there were 14 Josiahs or Mark Davises willing to invest in the league, there'd be 14 teams already. Yeah. The problem is you've got some owners that are either content with the type of money they're making off the league right now or are finally about to see some profits from the league because it has been growing and are not keen on splitting that additional ways by introducing new owners to the fold. That's a really unique thing to the WNBA. Most other sports, the owners are a united front. They're all making fabulous amounts of money in all sorts of different ways. And it like the, the NBA owners, the NFL owners, it's a golden goose, right? Like they're, they're guaranteed to get a return on their investment every single year. That's just how it is. So they're all buddies for the most part. Dan Snyder aside, because he sucks. Um, he's not an owner anymore, fortunately. Uh, but I think the WNBA suffers from having kind of a, a rift in the type of owners who see the potential of the league if they give it the investment it deserves and the ones who want to maintain the status quo. And right now, the status quo owners outnumber the Mark Davises and Joe Size of the world. And until that number flips, it's going to be very difficult for the league to, to grow as it should. That's, and I think, that's the very short version of that take. I think the hope is that as well, and I would almost hope that was a talking point in the offices for that, because we have to consider that the Liberty were, were a part of Dan Snyder North, which is James <laughs> Dolan, that piece of bacon. And like uh, they had to deal with that dichotomy for a while, and then allegiances shifted, and they're in a much better situation because there's someone who's looking to, to make some investment, which I think is strong. And there's a lot of leagues that I look at that and I go, like, I, I don't want to like disparage the name of like ownership groups or anything like that, but surely the sparks can find big, a big mega money owner. Surely the sky can find a big money mega owner. If that's the move they were looking to make. Right. If your frustration is, well, these people kind of want to take over and have so much swagger because they've got these big money owners that we should be leaning on telling them, then you need to go find investors at the very least and become a a big money organization because that's the direction we want to be heading in. The mom and pop shop thing just doesn't quite – 
we're not going to be in a situation we were in with the 2008 Sparks that were owned by a teacher and a former Miss America pageant. That's just not how this is going to necessarily work anymore. <clears throat> you know, and there's ways to do it. The NWSL, uh, you know, the Angel City FC, isn't necessarily owned by one mega billionaire, but they found a large group of heavy investors with names who are all there to support the organization. Um, I say not mega billionaires. I mean, one of them did help create Reddit. So there are some strong names, but it's that idea of if you put, if you put pieces together, you can make those efforts, but it's interesting to see what Kathy Engelbert's note is. I do want to pivot this into the point I wanted to make that I thought was interesting to you is for one, I don't think we can necessarily have any discussion on the podcast right now and just skip over LSU, which is frustrating for the <laughs> sake of for the sake of Kim Mulkey alone. Like I I think uh LSU is like what they pulled off in this last season is is pretty remarkable and it's a very eclectic roster of players. <clears throat> I just no one likes to see Kim happy, but um I my initial response to this onslaught of acquisitions that they've made which were as big league free agency type additions you know the store you know the way the internet itself blew up there you're adding Haley Van Lith you're adding Anissa Morrow you are taking on two top 10 recruits uh into your freshman squad <clears throat> this is going to be a pretty juggernaut roster and I'll t the initial thought I had when I saw this cha these changes made especially in the case of like Van Lith and Morrow was I'm, I'm intrigued by this because at least the, at the college level, I figured they'd be a little worried about what moving to a championship team where Angel Reese is going to clearly rule the roost, how this is going to affect their draft stock. Like what Haley Van Lith is the main decision maker in Louisville. She's third, maybe third choice and Anissa Morrow is maybe fourth choice. Why would they want to do that? Wouldn't that hurt their draft stock in a sense when you think about how this is going to help them in that way? If you want to go in a championship, you're going to go in a championship. But going from being the top option to a third or fourth option seems weird to that. And then it hit me, Logan. I don't think they care about their draft stock. No, I don't think, I think so they care about their NIL stock. No, I think, I think they, it's. Like I think they're, they realize they're filling they, their bag yeah. now. So why why wait on oh eventually I'll hit the gold when they're hitting that now? And so it I realized that that to me creates what the, what this disparity is in growth is we're hitting a point now where I mean reset it herself on podcast. She's like I'm making more now than a lot of top end players in the league. You know like and that's you know that's kind of the situation that we're in. And and I realized like for Van Litt and for Morrow. This helps them in that case. They're probably going to pick up some really sizable offers because of that. Yeah, I, I don't think <clears throat> I, I I haven't spoken personally to any of these players, but I don't think any of them are sitting in their locker rooms after last season going, "Where can I go that really puts me at the forefront?" You know, like like Morrow and and Van Lith are already names. They're they're already force fed offensive players on their respective teams who we know what they can do with the ball in their hands all the time. I, I think what they're probably thinking is like not only like cashing in for name image and likeness stuff, but like I want to go where I can win. And, and frankly, like LSU is as guaranteed as you get when it comes to college basketball. I mean, 
winning a, a single Elim tournament of 64 two years in a row is really difficult, but LSU stacked. And I, I don't think that a lot of players in the college landscape even necessarily see LSU as a villainous type team. I think lots of people probably do. I think lots of uh, enemies of Kim Mulkey probably do. But right now it just looks like, I mean, they, they came into this season promising a lot and it kind of felt like maybe it was based on some, some flimsy evidence. And then they delivered. They won a championship and they probably have a good chance to do it again. And now Van Lith is going to be a part of that. And some, like you said, some big time yeah. freshmen are going to be a part of that. I think Anissa Morrow is probably going to get buried on that roster, frankly. Um, I don't, I, you know, she might come in off the bench and have a 20 point game and we're it's, all going to remember in March, like, oh, right. She's there. Like, maybe it's possible. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why I said is like right now, I, I, I definitely, I mean, it's Anissa Morrow is very talented. I see her as a starter. There's a point where you can make the argument that her uh, on the starting five isn't a full on guarantee. And though I do still think she would be, but there, there's an argument for that somewhere in the ether coming from being a place where she was the A1 thing. And I think it's interesting because yeah, I, I think a part of what built the – I think what is part of building the the Caitlin Clark mania that people are interested in, she might be that like last true bastion of being a star in the previous eons of college sports where one player can kind of catch people's hearts and be the the, the face of a team. Not to say she was the only player on that team. Before. Yeah, well, this, this you know, is... She played with a great team. I, I've talked enough about Monica Zanano for people to know that. But <laughs> this, that this era is, just is going to look a lot more LSU-centered, I think, in the future than that, which is why yeah, I, I this, think I told you when those uh, yeah. moves came down, it's like the person I'm most interested in right now is Gino Ariama because clearly he's got to be sitting there thinking, like, I have to create a monster now. Like I have well, to find I, a way. I think this is just women's basketball <laughs> catching up with like the men's basketball and men's football. Like the landscapes of those sports for a long, long time have been all the best players out of high school are going to go to all the best teams. Whether like whether it's fair or not, that's just how it's going to be. And then occasionally you will get a Bobby Wagner at Utah State or a Damian Lillard at Weber, and there are just some players who are built like that. But for the most part, or uh, <laughs> my favorite ever, my the the Scotty Pippen at UCA. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like you, you'll still get that. Like I, I think those are those are still going to happen. Um, but for the most part, players are going to follow their noses to the SEC and potential, you know, big time, big time household name teams where they can get name, image, likeness deals and possibly some hardware in their college career. And I don't think that that's wrong. I mean, I I don't blame anybody for going to Alabama or Georgia to play football. Um, of course, we'd love for there to be parity in college basketball because it makes for a fun tournament. But you're going to see that. I mean, that's that's what hiring a big name coach does for you. That's why LSU brings in Kim Mulkey. He's like, look, players know who you are and they know what you can do. And in a matter of years, you're going to have a championship team on your hand because of who you are. That's just yeah. that's just how college coaching is. Yeah, and that's so. That's kind of what really spoke to me was. Um, it, that level of interest is, is such a strong thing. And it's going to be interesting to me how that capitalizes and how that's going to change other people's the transfer portal. What I'm calling the transfer portal era of basketball is so intriguing because you are now watching college players make capital B business decisions. It's yeah. It's, it's really crazy to see kind of an experiment in like, what if free agency was truly no, no holds barred. Just yeah. free agency is just 
it's just a big public pool. And <laughs> you could just, you can go to any corner of it you want. And then when the, the, the dust settles in the fall, we'll see who's good. Yeah, exactly. So it's, that's a, uh, been an, an interesting case. And I, like, I think we've been negative on the W for a lot of pieces. There's a lot to look forward to this season. It's going to be a very, very exciting time. The season kicks off on May 19th. Um, and I think there's certainly going to be a lot of for us to watch. Um, but I think it was interesting. Like we haven't had a good state of the W in a minute of just like sitting down and looking at kind of where those next pieces to help uh, oversee what the, the growth spectrum is going to be. So I think as a healthy discussion, we would love to hear all of your feedback uh, listeners and thoughts, you know, what, what really are the, those next stepping stones as far as that's considered, and what are you most exciting for? Excited for coming into the yeah. season, especially I, outside I, I of the to, uh, I wanted to assure listeners because I, I think we'll probably wrap this episode up with. There's one more thing I know we both want to touch on, but mm-hmm. um, of course, future episodes before the season starts, we are going to touch on our favorite storylines headed into the season, some of our team previews. I I hope that we can get everybody together and do our our annual uh, our awards predictions for the season. Mm-hmm. I know we like doing that. We'll we'll throw that in the chat later and make sure that we get everybody's awards predictions to see how wrong we can be. Um, but we, if you haven't been with us for a full season cycle before, the four of us hosts will jump on. We'll predict the playoffs uh, one through eight, and we'll predict the the award winners. And we'll talk about it, and that's sort of our big season preview episode mm-hmm. uh, that we will that I I will commit to, uh, <laughs> even though the other two we haven't talked to about it yet. Uh, I'm, you know, we we're able to get that uh, out to you guys every season, and that's a lot of fun. Um, yep. But I know there is something that we wanted to touch on today yeah. that is of utmost importance. Anytime Steve yeah. and I are on mic together, really, really quick. I just we're not we don't have to talk about this. I just oh, want to make the point. I'm just we were talking about like there's a lot to look forward to. Just guys, we're going to see Brittany Griner play basketball in a, in several days. Yeah, just right there alone. Like like Phoenix. the twenty that twenty first the the Mercury in the sky. I'm going to cry like a baby. A lot of people are going to cry like but you know and and you should. And it's big story, and it's important, and it matters. And also, Phoenix might be really good. And here's, here's where I was going to go with that. Phoenix might be better than average this year. And early on in the season, it's going to be like a feel good story. Tarazi and Griner on the court again together. This is cool. Doesn't you know? We don't know how many more times that's going to happen. I think by like ten games into the season, when they're nine and one, we're going to be like. Oh, right. <laughs> Remember how the last time Griner was on a basketball court, she was playing at an yeah. MVP level? People just kind of don't remember that for, for obvious reasons. There's a lot that's been going on. But yeah, I agree. I, that is a I'm cool, excited uh, to get back to the, to those fun-filled days of everyone on the court being scared of Brittany Griner. Like, everyone, <laughs> there's all the happiness that there should be now because she's back, she's safe, it's fantastic, and and you know, she's been such a huge advocate for so many important things. Uh, her presser was a great moment um, to, to watch and all of that. And so everyone is coming at Brittany Griner with a big smile on their face. Everyone's so happy to see her and they absolutely should be. And I'm excited for a whistle for a, a horn to go off. And everyone remembers that she's an absolute and, beast. And if you're not really on socials, and and you're excited to to see her play in a couple of days, and you don't see her on the court anywhere. Uh, it's because the dreads are gone. Yeah, I, I feel like we could have dedicated an entire episode to the dreads, like yeah. <laughs> the retirement of the Brittany Griner. She's she's worn the dreads since like high school. Yeah, they've always been there. 
the clean or the clean look still kind of she's she's oh i love it. it works well it plays but it, uh, it almost i yeah. feel like mourning the the loss of the the grinder grid yeah fantastic stuff so i just wanted to make sure that was of note there's a lot to look forward to but yes, yes i cut you off um we saved proverbially the most important thing for last all right if this is something you don't care about you can skip five uh, minutes into the future and we, I, I won't necessarily begrudge you for it, but let's be honest. There's no one out there that doesn't care about this. The 2023-2024 Nike WNBA Rebel Edition jerseys, <laughs> they're out. Yes, uh, we're four, a month and a half four, behind. But yes, we have had a chance the, to talk about there's, it. Yet. There's five of them, and four of them are black. Uh, because <laughs> Nike only knows how to do really one thing. Uh, <laughs> it's black and gray, so, which is a shade of black. So let's talk about them. Um, the teams here, Minnesota, Washington, Dallas, Indiana, New York. Rebel Edition jerseys for the five of those. Um, if if you kind of remember them coming out a month ago and then don't remember what they look like, it's because not a lot of them are fantastic. But I don't want to give away my feelings about all five of them. Steve, start wherever you want. Okay, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go in... Uh, alphabetical order of the teams themselves, or at least the best that I can without screwing that up. Cause I have done that before. Um, and I just want to hear right off the bat, if you could, if you can consider it, where, where you rank it amongst these five picks. So I'll give you a team and you can either go right off the bat or take a bit to think about it and tell me, I'd probably put them fourth out of five, whatever you want to say. So okay. I'm going to go alphabetical city. Let's start with the Dallas wings. What do you think? Fourth. Fourth. Um, I have him third, but I get fourth too. You and I have talked, and Jason, for goodness sake, has talked very much about what's been probably the main here's, frustration with this one. But yeah, here's the thing: I'm a Blazer fan. I love, I love an asymmetrical sashed uniform that continues onto the shorts. Okay, I'm a sucker for it. You're never going to meet someone more into that than me. But mm-hmm. you got to do it right. <laughs> Yeah, you you gotta you gotta line up those stripes, Dallas. That's they don't appear to line up heavily well. First of all, they messed up at not making it organic enough. They have one singular green line on top of four uh, blue lines, and what that does is gives you a direct guide to know how to note how well these match up from the jerseys to the to the bottoms. And those don't seem to line up. But the worst offender here, especially when you look at their promo videos, is the shorts don't line up at all. The patterns are legitimately off from one seam to the other. It's it's like shoddy fast fashion look. The lines actually don't set themselves up well. I showed that to my spouse, who has actually worked in, like... <clears throat> retail clothing development. She right. yeah. knows how to sew. She knows how to make clothes. And she legitimately was frustrated. Like, that's such an easy d- decision. And you guys completely botched it. Um, yeah, that also, was a dead frustration. That's that's the biggest gripe. And I, I feel like I've been griping a lot on this episode. There's, there's so much about women's basketball that I'm excited about. And that I love so much. I, I just, uniform stuff we get really picky about. I'm really tired of Nike putting place names across the chest of uniforms that don't use that place name. So for instance, Texas across the Dallas wings uniform, it's the Dallas doesn't wings. make sense because it's not at no, at no point are the Dallas wings ever the Texas wings. 
That's Texas is yeah. not in their branding. It's not part go of their Dallas, identity. Go big D, Dallas. put a DFW on there. But, <laughs> like, you so, know. like, yeah, the, the ATL jerseys, we love those, do we not? Beautiful. The, Beautiful. the ATL jerseys are awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the stripes Actually, don't line up, and that bothers me. And you making Texas that point reminds me, there need to be more just airport code teams. Oh, agreed. Oh, PX, 100% agreed. LAX. Like, yeah, a lot PDX of them is, are simple. Salt Lake is yeah. just SLC, but a lot of them, and like DFW would be solid on here. I, I didn't love the Texas. From afar, the also, way that they've done the oh. chest and the number fonting, they sort of want to give you like a chromish feel with the with the top of the chest lettering being white. Except it's actually not when you see it close up, it's just white. If they yeah. actually if you're gonna do it, go all the way and just give it like the chromy like aesthetic, even though that's more of a Detroit thing than a also, Dallas I, thing. I, again, sincerely, sincerely, I want to apologize for this. We, we read a five star view at the beginning of the show. I sincerely apologize for sounding like a negative Nancy on on today's episode. But DFW for Dallas Fort Worth also could double like like in fan terms as the Dallas F and Wings. Just like, everybody so could just good. understand that that's what it means, even if it like officially really, doesn't mean really that. Good. And and that could absolutely be like a really fun thing, like the the social media or you know. Imagine media, imagine like you know Rihe Gumbawale hitting a big shot or a game winner and screaming Dallas Epic Wings into the crowd, and that's like a yeah. moment. It's, that's like know, the Rip City it. moment. Like because if that was the case, and I was a Wings fan, I would a hundred percent get a DFW jersey. You're like, yeah, that's 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 a uh, for a little while. Lillard's thing was Rip City on the ass. Yeah, and and I think he even put it like one like one colorway of one of his shoes had it written on there, and I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Like I don't I don't know what it means. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, having having a mantra like I still don't one hundred percent know what Duval means, but I know it means a lot to some fans. <laughs> I know people um, get excited about it. Yeah, I know people are into it. But like, um, no, no, I totally feel that way. I think the Dallas one is kind of tepid at best. I hope the next time they have to do a go around of this, they just over go do away with this template as a whole and try something different. Um you can tell that they're leaning pretty heavily into like we are blue with the green touch. And that's actually kind of cool and unique. I just think they could have had more fun with this. We're gonna go ahead and move on really quick uh up the alphabetical ladder. Indiana fever. This is an interesting one because for as much as you want to judge the uniform itself, it's also Heavily comparing it to its previous one, which could feel unfair, but you can't not do it. Of the five new Rebel designs, to me, this is number two. Uh, Not because I'm blown away by it, but because it doesn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. That's that's my total review of it, other than having Salesforce as a sponsor. Screw Salesforce. But (laughs) (laughs) that's that's more of a Steve and I joke than anything. Yeah, but really. Uh, but oh, yeah, I, I like I like the little the text the pinstripe text. I think is cool. Everything else is very simple and straightforward. I like it. Yeah, um, the, they did like the there's like the coded wording on the pinstriping, which is kind of cool. It's 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 a red that pops. So having a full red uniform, and they have as a general uniform set one of the more underrated uniforms. Um, I, you know, their their white and their blue uniforms are clean. I think their blues with the workable. gold and red accents are really nice. And yeah. I think, again, we were just talking about the DFW thing could kind of like take on a life of its own with Dallas. I really like using the basketball chose me thing as kind of a nod yeah. to, to catching 
Um, I, I think as much as you can, you should nod to Catchings as an organization uh, without employing her in your front office. And that's sort of what this uniform feels like, like an homage for yeah. me, which I totally get in that sense. But, you know, it's a it's a red that pops really well. It's a decent look. It's simple. It makes some sense. For goodness sake, you had one of the coolest, trendiest uniforms a minute ago. I would have made it a point to hold on to that Stranger Things jersey until the last season of Stranger Things actually yeah. ended. Uh, yeah, I think in the next things. year it's going to be on, on the air. Like, so you, cool. you still have a chance to capitalize off of that jersey. Um and they should have held on to it for as long as they could. Like it, that to me was like, so like, honestly, I think about it. Like I, I wish more teams found a way to, it'd be like the Liberty doing a succession Jersey right now, you know, or I don't know. I was about to sell, try to make a Ted Lasso comparison, but really just go by the AFC Richmond Jersey. Um, but like, yeah, no, like they, I wish they would have just held on to that because I think they had, they had some more mileage in it and it was a great jersey and it was, it was an iconic look. But this one doesn't like hurt much. So uh, they're too ex- exactly for me of like, they're, they're just not bad enough for it to make some sense, but it is a decent look. If you're a fan of the fever and you want to cop this, I, I would get, I understand. It's good. It's recognizable in that sense. Um, Let's head up the ladder. This one confuses me. The Minnesota Lynx. Yeah, it's very energy drink, is it not? Yeah. With kind of the the, the combining like the light green and the dark green. I I don't think it's bad. The problem is when you see jerseys like this, you immediately go to lesser league, right? You go to yeah. it looks like a G League uniform, it looks like Canadian football, it looks like sure. the off brand rather than the on brand. And it's a small, WNBA it's, already has it's a, a small problem. conference upset right. jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it doesn't. It's not that it looks bad. I think it actually looks cool. And if I was a Lynx yeah. fan, I would consider getting one. I, I think it's more just a problem of like yep. your your branding is really solidly the dark blue, and I I think maybe they're trying to tie in some of the Timberwolves using the lime the the electric lime green, but it ends up just giving me a very like sprite can vibe, and it's mm-hmm. fine. It's not bad. The, they did it, this one. Yeah, again, it's decent. Um, well, no, it's not because it's fourth out of five for me. Sorry, I don't think it's decent. I actually do not like this one. I don't know why I said <laughs> decent. Maybe I'm just trying to. I'll say this: pick a green, pick a damn it, green. I hear you, but but it would be really boring if it was all forest green. So yeah, they, but like, if if you keep the but, neon on dark blue, it's it's fine. Yeah, pick a green. Yeah. Or make one of those greens the mainstay of the colorway and do like a lime green setup if you want to or something like that. The forest green makes no sense. I would say kill it, but that's just me. I The, the lining of it is weird. It just makes it look cluttered. And I would say this, I, I guess I want to say I'd say it to every team, but really I'm saying it to like 20 people in the graphic design department at Nike. The stacked lettering has never worked. The I'm going to put the name of the city in small letters on top of the team name in big letters motif has never worked. It not has on not a worked. Yeah, if, if you want, but to it has put not it on worked a, once. Yeah, if you want to put it on a patch that goes on a hat or on a polo, I think fine. that's fine. Fine. This but, yeah. the, the chess mark does not work. It just flat out. You are. It's too confusing. It doesn't make a lot of of heavy sense. 
And they're in another situation where you could have a Twin Cities jersey. You know, you could have uh, an MSP jersey. That would be kind of cool, which I think the Timberwolves had, had done previously. The Timberwolves probably stole the best possible pop culture motif in Minnesota because they've already <laughs> done the Prince homage and it was gorgeous. It was awesome. Um, but like, there's a lot going on. Freaking above anything else, have a juicy Lucy jersey. I don't know. Do something. <laughs> Uh, this just, this doesn't, I think it's because this doesn't feel much like an homage to anything. And, and if you're going to do this rebel look, I like when you can tell that it has a purpose and I don't see the purpose in it. Right. So and I'm they all do it. like every, every time they roll one of these out, Nike has a whole 300 page marketing thing about what it represents. So I know it represents something. It, the spirit wanna, of Minnesota. Wanna, right, I don't want to disrespect whatever that is, but it is not immediately the evident drive and looking at the uniform. The, the what the the drive and resolve of Minnesotans everywhere and the the rush of the upper northwest uh the willingness to go on a mark you know what it is logan it's a it's a look to the future and with a nod a to, the to the past <laughs> with a nod to the past um I- I will come through this computer screen and hit you in the face. <laughs> Name a jersey reveal that, that has not time. included that line. Um, okay, we're going to move on up. We're going to talk about probably the one that I have the most feelings about. I don't know about you. The New York Liberty Rebel. It, this is a step down of step downs. The equality original quality jersey with that seafoam green was a beautiful jersey. Here's, so here's much the so biggest, that they're selling it in other markets, Dick Sporting Goods. Um, <laughs> the biggest I, problem with this jersey is the article I'm looking at right now that's ranking all of them. It's a USA Today article that like has pictures of all of them and the tweets and everything. At the top of that article, their hero image is the original equality jersey, which is gorgeous. <laughs> it's yeah. perfect. It's so good. And so you compare it to that and you're like, oh, why did, did they, they, just, they just, why did they do that? Their <laughs> uh, dark jersey has a tiny bit of subtle gradiency on the shoulders, uh, pretty much along the shoulder straps and the upper chest. It doesn't interfere yeah. a ton with the look. So it makes That's it so it. that jersey looks all right. Even though it's not necessary, it looks all right. Their white jersey is the best home white of if they, every, if they of all sold, NBA, WNBA teams, if they I sold think. the home whites, it's instantly I'm getting a Stewie home white. Jersey. Yeah, it's so good. it's the best home white of all teams. I think they do a great job with that. This one is them wanting to be risky, and it just it doesn't work. And it's like this is one of those that a lot of people probably thought, like, let's wait till we see it on the court or wait till we see it on a player. I've seen promo images of players now wearing these and it still doesn't work. I don't care that the gradient continues onto the shorts and that it frays off at like one end of the shorts, the, uh, you know, the bottom and the top and whatever. It still doesn't work. Now, do I like the NYL insignia that kind yeah. of goes with it? That's yeah. all right. It's yeah. decent. You know, like, and let's but, be honest, let's, let's get this out of the way because Liberty fans are going to come into the comments and tear us apart. The flame logo is one of the best logos in sports. Phenomenal. The, the surf green flame Phenomenal. logo. Ever since they redid it and took that, the orange out and they, they redid it into like the current. I want an ice cream perfect. cone shaped like that. Like it's, 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 it's fantastic. So they've done a very good thing as far as that's considered. So I like the entire setup there. I just think, 
you are messing with a color. Like it does, this was not necessary. If you're going to do another rebel, just go a completely different direction. Here's the problem for me is the particle effect is the first thing I ever learned in Photoshop because it was the easiest thing to do if you didn't know Photoshop. And so like to me, the jersey comes off as like a very low effort. Like we, we have a black uniform. We have a surf green uniform. It's beautiful. Let's combine the two. And the particle effect is just the easiest thing to do. So that's what they did. I, they yeah. probably, they put more thought into it than that, but that's what it looks like. It's just frustrating. You, it's busy. You can barely read the chess mark. Like it, it doesn't pop at all. I'm just not into this look. It, it really was frustrating for me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but like they have a handful of stuff that seems to, to land for them. Um, it's just like, we talked about the stacked and white, you know, um, they have kind of a flame motif on the shorts. That's okay. But. If I'm if I'm standing in the team shop and I'm looking at the surf greens, the white ones, the black ones, and the these, I'm not even looking at these. Yeah, I'm trying to decide which the other three to buy because they're all great. And these, I'm like, oh yeah, they have they have those. This was such a step down. Now we're gonna get to one that we're gonna end on. A I one. have a big question with. Let's talk about the Mystics. This is one of. Is it really good because it's a fairly clean design or is it fantastic because it's a fantastic design or does it feel fantastic because it's a really good design compared to some other mid rebel jerseys slash the mystics other jerseys also are okay at best. Like, I don't know how to, how to mark why I feel the way I do about this, but I will say in promo images of mystics players, this looks like, Seeing Natasha Cloud wear this jersey looks hard as F. Like, it's, it looks really, really solid. Uh, yeah. It's a great homage to Nanny Helen Burroughs. Like, it's. The, yeah. the chest mark is great. It's the right amount of shiny gold without being just like outright gaudy gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, weaving the, the words throughout the lines in the uniform is really, really nice. I think the, the font that they chose for the numbers, we've talked about number fonts a lot, mm-hmm. like more mm-hmm. than two, two guys ever should. Most of the time, I, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess with it. You just go with what's this, simple. This, this one works. These, these numbers break every rule I ever have when it comes this, to number this fonts. One works. And it looks wonderful. It, this is strong enough the that best, I think. Yeah, I, I think it warrants considering like actually rebranding to this. I, I think they've needed a new logo for a long time, and the blue and red color scheme is just very medium. I have medium opinions about it. I don't have strong opinions against it. It's and I don't even been across whatever. the league. Just I'm tired of Washington teams doing it. Like Right. And we, so, and I was going to bring this up earlier when we were talking about Minnesota, Washington DC as a city, I think has the worst collection of sports uniforms you could, you could find in a city. There are contenders. I think Phoenix is up there. I think yeah. the Vikings keep Minnesota from being up there, but Minnesota's not far off. DC does not have, like a consistent theme throughout all its sports yeah. teams. Tap it as best. Need to keep too. And, and I'm saying that like in, in the Mystics case, that's a good thing. That means you can just lean into whatever you want to do that works. You don't have to hold yourselves to like, a, well, we have to stay blue and red. You don't have yeah. to do that. None of the other teams do that. I don't, the, the commanders are not even close to being in that realm. I don't know what the wizards are doing these days. I don't even know what the what the, is the, the Nats, colorway. I think the Nats are are very they're like the Mystics. They're very just kind of like medium, like it's fine. It's not offensive. 
can do what you want, Mystics. And and to be honest, I think the Mystics are one of the teams that I'm most intrigued by coming into this season. Which means if we get healthy Deladon wearing these jerseys a bunch, being surprisingly good as a team, it's going to make me love them even more. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to naturally be like, oh, I like them. Um, I did have one detail. I think Jason called this out. The the heart is actually it. That's a big homage to Helen Burroughs. Um, it's actually meant to to resemble the heart pendant, as if you're wearing the neck a necklace. Oh, that's okay. why it's placed where it is, which I think is a really cool and a really sweet detail. It's just off centered from the eye enough that it looks like it should be a dot of an eye, but isn't. <laughs> and because yeah, of that, I like point. I almost I almost wish they decided to go with like. It. Looser kerning of letters, so it happened to be above the eye. Maybe that would be a little too. I, on the nose. I almost feel like they did it on purpose because being off center makes like I think it's too cutesy if it's the dot. If it of is the centering eye. over it, yeah, you're probably yeah. probably right. Maybe I'm just intrigued. My one big take on this, I know it doesn't look identical to this other jersey. It does sort of feel like a remixed version of the Aces Rebel, in a way, a little bit. It has a lot of the same notes, even though like a lot of details are different. It like they feel like they feel like page like different pages of the same book, if that makes sense. Like they kind of have a, a similar nuance to them, which isn't you know I'm not knocking that by any Here's, means. But sometimes good designs <laughs> should steal from other good designs. Are just good. I I think that's good. fine. <laughs> like, that's yeah. It, it's got a little bit of New Orleans Saints in it, but that doesn't bother me. I think it's fine. It's, it's, it's got <laughs> even like the Atlanta Hawks city feel to it a little. Like it's got some stuff, but it's a clean one. It, I think it's one that like Mystics fans are probably excited to have something cool that they can cop, which I totally get. Like I would, I would be into that too. So I like the Mystics look a lot. It's, it, you know, it was a big upgrade. It really makes me intrigued by what we're going to see from other teams in the league over the next couple of years because. We nearly went 12 for 12 when these were all released a couple seasons ago, as far as how this is all kicking off. And it's now showing that capitalizing on that is going to be a bit of a parody. And that's totally fine. Uh, but we'll just see how it goes. Because, you know, what's fun. What's fun about these conversations is I don't think having a negative take on uniforms has anything to do with the team and has everything to do with. Nightmare. No, I hope I hope like, people know that I'm I'm. I, like my my opinions on the weird, like the sash on the wings uniform that ends at the hip and then continues on the shorts from the belt buckle, that has nothing to do with the fact that I think Dallas is going to win yeah. six games this year. Like that's a completely different. <laughs> that's a completely different there, discussion. That we'll there's have next an time. annoying. There is an <laughs> annoying designer in Eugene, Oregon, at Nike, who got his degree <laughs> at Carnegie Mellon. Who who puts Chow at the end of his emails? <laughs> who I who just lazied this one out, and that's who I want to have words with. It's that guy who's <laughs> making twice my income and and putting this type of product out. That's why this is frustrating. It's no indictment on anyone else. <laughs> we have to end there. We have to end there. We've gone over time talking jerseys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us all. I, I am broken. I'm not going to be able to get much further into this episode. <laughs> so, 
Uh, again, we, we will have award predictions and a full season preview of the main storylines you need to know and love and pay attention to coming up in the next week for you. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll get everybody together and make sure that we have a day where we can get as much of us as possible on that episode. Uh, but thank you for joining us for this one, kind of a state of the WNBA for you, as well as a complete, uh, just middle finger to fans of five different teams across the league who now hate us. Um, <laughs> hopefully we will give you reasons we love to figure out and, and like us more yeah. later on. We we do. We love all of those teams. I, I have an Indiana Fever hat three feet away from me right now, and I'm really hoping yeah. that they're good listeners. <laughs> so stick with us. Same. Stick with us. I'm sorry. I know I, I we have a lot of Minnesota fans in particular that interact with our show on Twitter, and I, I don't remember what their take on the Rebel Cruises were. So I'm just hoping that they hated them. otherwise I don't want to be mad at us Uh, anyway I've been delaying this for too long thank you so much for joining us today I am Logan Jones I'm Steve Schwartzman and we got you next time